When I think of this scene of King David, I like to think of it in the way perhaps many of us are spending our evenings these days, that we're at home, we're settled, we're peaceful, and maybe just thinking about what we did during the day, thinking about uh, the season, and then all of a sudden, we have an oh crud moment. You, all of a sudden, you realize you didn't pick up the ham for Christmas dinner. You didn't get the number one thing on your child's Christmas list or something equally important. And you immediately start trying to fix the situation. Well, the writer tells us that King David was indeed settled in his palace, that he had peace on all sides. And so, so perhaps the first time since he was a shepherd and settled in that routine, uh, that he had a bit of peace and time to reflect. And in the midst of it, he realizes that the Ark of the Covenant is still under tent cloth. Now we have to remember that for the people of Israel that time, this was before the temple, so the Ark of the Covenant was a very real, tangible reminder of the presence of God in their midst. This is how God led them uh, out of Egypt and had uh, the, the tablets of the law, the staff of Aaron, and again, was a very visible, visceral reminder that God was indeed with them. And so David said, I need to honor this and build uh, a house for God. But God had other plans, as we learn further along in the story, that it is not King David who is to build the temple, uh, but his son, King Solomon. Uh, that we know that David was a passionate man. He was a passionate uh, follower of God. He was also a passionate sinner. He was also a uh, very passionate about his repentance. And that the scriptures tell us this is what God, one of the things God found so endearing about him. Uh, because God never... Uh, condone sin, but is always pleased with our repentance. Uh, and so David immediately consults his prophet Nathan, and Nathan doesn't even bother consulting with God. He just says, go ahead and do whatever you propose. Uh, but then the Lord speaks to Nathan during the night and tells him to remind King David that all he has accomplished is because of God, that he has much indeed to be thankful for, but that God will do still more for King David in the future by raising up uh, a kingdom, a king whose kingdom will have no end, of course, the person of Jesus. Uh, and so King David continues to be grateful to God for all that God did despite his unworthiness and rejoices at what God will do for him in the future. 
Now we fast forward to the Gospel, uh, our Blessed Mother, who was a simple girl in a backwater town of a backwater country uh, that was going to live a who was going to live a very simple life, who she did not have any great plans for herself other than uh, to marry this man named Joseph of the house of King David. And the angel comes to her to tell her that God has a much greater plan for her, that the humble plan that she thinks will be her life is not near as magnificent as what God has planned for her, that she is to become the new Ark of the Covenant. She is to give birth to the Savior who is God, so that she is to carry within her womb uh, the very Son of God. Uh, it is from her flesh that God would take flesh and, as St. John would later say, pitch his tent and dwell among us. So she is called to even greater heights. She has even more to be grateful uh, to God for, for calling her to this lofty vocation that God has in store for her. And again, we see very clearly from the scene that, that something is different about Mary, because when the angel appears to her, unlike every other angelic apparition in the Bible, she is not startled or afraid because of the angel's presence. Because she is without sin, she does not fear in the presence of God. Uh, she is not disturbed until after the angel speaks and begins to unfold and present to her the plan uh, that God has in store for her. But because of her sinlessness, because of her simplicity and her faith, she is able to give her assent to the plan that God has placed before her at the hands of the archangel Gabriel, even though she has no idea what this plan will bring. Uh, she'll get a hint uh, when she presents the baby Jesus, along with St. Joseph, in the temple and learns from the prophet Simeon that a sword will pierce her heart so that the thoughts of many will be laid bare. But she humbly and simply accepts her place, the place that God has chosen for her to, to be in, in his plan, to accept that and to, to carry it forward, just as uh, King David humbly accepted the fact that he was not the one who would build the great temple, but that it would be his son that would build that temple. So in these days of Advent, we can reflect with great gratitude, as King David did, reflecting on all the ways that God has blessed us not because we deserve it, because God in his goodness has graciously given them to us. 
and like our Blessed Mother, that when we are presented with God's plan for us, even if it is completely different than the plan that we had imagined for ourselves, we might have the simplicity and the humility to say, let it be done to me according to your word. And this beautiful phrase will be echoed by Jesus himself many years later in the garden as he is preparing to undergo his passion to save us from our sins. When he would pray, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will be done. May we have hearts filled with gratitude for the blessings that we have been given. And may we have that purity and simplicity to say yes to our place in God's plan, in our unique role in salvation history, that with Our Lady we could say, let it be done to me according to your word, knowing that God will make all things possible even if what God asks is seemingly impossible, uh, because as Gabriel said to her, nothing will be impossible for God.